mother is bleeding. At least I have a husband, you know. Does anybody here believe it? Okay, so we are coming in with episode 16. This is the Johanna episode. And um, this one's a little bit different because, oh, it's called And Baby Makes 18. And it's different because it's a special kind of between the two seasons, but it's kind of considered part of the 17 Kids and Counting season. It's what makes it into season two, which is, of course, 18 Kids and Counting. The last episode we watched with Ginger and the Driving, that premiered in November of 2008, and this premieres on December 22nd, 2008, so well over a month, and like like six weeks later, and about a month or so before the new season starts. So it's this little special between the two seasons, and uh, just giving you guys a heads up, it might be a long episode, because, because it's a special, it's a longer episode. So... The actual episode episode review part of the podcast is going to be a little bit longer, so I think we're going to have, and then add in the deep dive, it just might be a longer episode overall. Anything to say, Tim? I titled this episode, Baby Cannon Shoots Off Again. Number 18, okay. Okay, so... Oh, the other thing that makes this kind of interesting is that we're seeing things out of order a little bit. Mm-hmm. So we have not actually seen Josh and Anna get married yet because that's the beginning of season the season two, but they hurried and did this special with the baby being born. So we're actually going to see Josh and Anna be married. So it's kind of it's kind of funny. But TLC does do this even later on in like the county non seasons. They do kind of like will randomly show you parts of like the wedding and then later on show you like the lead up to it. Yeah, they just record a big group of stuff. Yeah, it's it's odd. Okay, so the episode starts off with the entire family being up in the boys' room. Uh, the landmark for us in knowing that was the eagle mm. on the wall. So that's our good la- good landmarks for us. We didn't see any, um, no bed names or anything like that. So we knew we were in the boys' room, not the girls' room. And they're up there because they're all going to vote on the name of the new baby. Like I kind of said, we see Pest and Anna and they have now graduated from the hand sex to Anna sitting in his lap. Yeah. Oof. At first, I thought it was one of the other girls. And, and I literally wrote, why is one of the older girls sitting on his lap? And <laughs> I then was like, oh, I was like, and then there was a scene where he was getting a little handsy. And I was like, man, and he's getting handsy. And I said, oh, it's Anna. <laughs> because you're like, wait, this is out of order. <laughs> she looks just like one of the other family. She has her little bit of a Whoville nose. That's the, that's the giveaway. So Lego asks for name suggestions and Pest, you can tell Pest was really thinking that he was going to get like a good laugh out of this. Mm-hmm. He suggests Juanita and he doesn't really get much of a laugh. Like he, you know, he thought that that was like a knee slapper Yep. and the, the fam wasn't really having it too much. Um, and then they talk about how Boob and Michelle used to be the one to pick out the names, but as the older kids have gotten 
you know, as they've gotten older, they started to include the kids on it. And I'm like, it's the fucking least you can do. They fucking raise them. <laughs> Let them be a part of, like, the naming. It's the very fucking least you can do. Right. And so they've got this list of names for, like, their voting ballot. And there's two sections. There's, like, first name and then a, a smaller one for the middle name. And there's a whole lot of names, but I just wanted to highlight a few of my favorites. And I'm wondering if you wrote down the same. Did you see Gichelle? Negative. That was, so I feel like that's their sad uh, attempt at trying to throw Michelle like a bone. Right. Like a, like, a, like a milk bone here, like a breast milk bone. They're like, here's, uh, here's the, you know, they're all J's after Jim Bob. So let's try to give you a little something here. And we'll just, let's, let's try for Gichelle. Right. The next one's real bad. It was Jamel. Like, like they need another reference to boob. Like, <laughs> Jamel. Oh, God. Here's another one. Gently, but with a J. <laughs> so, very much like the ginger type thing, where you just pick a random G yep. word, and then you're like, you know, let's just give it a J. Mm-hmm. Gently. And then there's Janessa, because it's not enough that they have a Jana, Joanna, and Johanna, but then, you know, let's just bring a possible Jana, Jessa mashup into the mix. Right. So, funny uh, list of names. And then they have some of the kids, they go back to the, like, the kids giving suggestions. So, after Pest and Juanita, Jackson says Julie Grace, which Lego Head really likes that name. Mm-hmm. Jason says Juicy Fruit. One of my favorites. There you go. Um, lo- lo- that kid will lose its personality real fast, maybe. Yeah, exactly. Um, then Joy says Jordan Micaiah, which Jim, Jim Bob says that's a pretty name, but he doesn't think that they go together quite right. Jamoka, like the shake from Arby's. <laughs> I've never had one. I wonder, is it good? Have you had it? They are pretty good. Never had one. Um, get their mozzarella sticks, though. Damn. So Jim Bob announces that. You know, some of these names can be used for grandchildren instead. Ew. So, yeah. So, Pest looks at Anna, who's sitting on his lap. Just have getting to, real I just, handsy. I just have to... They're, they're not handsy. They're lappy. They've moved on. They've graduated. But the hands are still going. Like, he's know. rubbing oh. her, like, stomach God, like, and get shit. get fucking up already. You're sitting in a room with your siblings. Can <laughs> you not fondling your... In their bedroom. Yeah. Like... So he looks at Anna and he says, like, like Juanita? Yeah. And Anna says, well, we haven't picked our letter yet. <laughs> Did you see Ginger's face? Oh, yeah. I wrote this that on here. This <laughs> was the most intense Ginger face I've ever seen. Like, yeah. the Ginger face has been a topic. Yeah. Ginger face was fucking intense. She had a look of disgust. And I'm not sure if it's at Pest. I think it might be at the name Juanita, unfortunately. I want to believe it was just him speaking. So I'm going to go with that. I feel like... You know when you read like scripts, and they have like uh, direction, like set direction, where it's like, like Ginger enters from the left stage. The one that I put on here is just Ginger face. Yeah. Now I just put like asterisk Ginger, ginger face. face. And this was the ultimate of ultimate Ginger faces. It was gnarly. Good God, I was like, damn, that is. Uh... Well, definitely be in the visuals if you haven't figured that one out. So, the older girls are really pushing for Jordan Micaiah. They're kind of campaigning. Lego mm-hmm. is uh, pushing for Julie Grace. It's a little bit less ethnic. Yes. <laughs> um, and then Michelle is the one who goes and counts the votes. And this is the part of the episode where they leave it as a cliffhanger. <laughs> Woo! I'm at the edge of my proverbial seat. <laughs> 
So the next scene, they're headed to tour the hospital where Michelle will give birth. And there's this really awkward scene of Jim. I mean, all scenes with Jim Bob are awkward. But there's this particularly awkward one where um, as they're getting ready to go, Lego is telling like the boys that they look good. Did you re- do you remember this? Yes. And he says, "James, you look good, man." And he and you look double good and while giving like this awkward thumbs up. And then he goes, "Justin, woo! All right." <laughs> and then he's giving like, a double thumbs up and it's just the most terrible thing I've ever seen. Even his thumbs up is awkward. It's the worst. Again, visuals, you will see this. <laughs> and um it's like he's shoving his thumbs up in their face. Did you notice that? Yeah. It's like it's... he can't. He's not just like giving it. He's like woo and like waving the thumb in their face. Yeah. Ugh, I see where Jill gets her dweebiness from. <laughs> quite clearly. Oh, so the reason they're going to the hospital is because it's brand new. So that's why they're touring. I think it's a little bit of a plug. Oh, personally, absolutely. Uh, show them the rooms. It's. I mean, it's really not that much. And there is a little funny um, scene where Johanna, while they're touring the chapel, where uh, Johanna gives her baby name. Do you remember what it was? Um, I don't think so. Giraffe. Jamie Giraffe. She says Jeffrey. Oh, I thought it was Jamie. She says Jeffrey Giraffe. And then they just say Giraffe. And then he's like, with a J, right? Like, yeah. So. So one of the people that we meet in this is Dr. Sarver. Yes, that's the next, yep. And if I remember correctly, correct me if I'm wrong, um, Dr. Sarver, they went to her for the last, what, three births? Yes, we met her in one of the specials. Correct. And they went to her because, like, no other OBGYNs were comfortable with her, like, giving birth that much, having, wasn't it? No, like, it's having vaginal births after C-section. After cesarean. So they call them, like, yeah. V-backs or, like, whatever. Yeah. Um, so she was she was one of the ones that they could find that was comfortable with that. Which kind of tells you something. Well, I like mean... If, I, f- I don't know. I know I know doctors have a lot of responsibility, and they're kind of worried about, like, malpractice stuff. And I just... I don't know. It felt like it was that, like, none of the other doctors would accept it because they didn't feel it was safe. So it's like they found one that was like, yeah, absolutely, let's See, do it. See, and I don't think that it's necessarily because I'm like, whatever. Like some people can have vaginal bursts after, after a C-section. I don't think that's my issue personally. It's like you've had a million fucking kids. That's right. the, you know what I mean. Yeah. So it is actually funny because touching on that specifically, Doctor Sarver says, the main long-term effects of women having multiple babies is problems that they call prolapse with the bladder falling, mm. uterus falling. All your that, stuff falls. <laughs> that does tend to get worse with these subsequent pregnancies and age in general. However, for the number of babies Michelle's had, she really has great pelvic support and hasn't had any of those sorts of issues. Number one, I find that hard to believe. I'm like, she's got to be showing signs of something. She's 42 by now and having her 18th child. What is this, like her 16th pregnancy? Because two mm-hmm. sets of twins. But 18th child. Mm-hmm. I find it hard. To, I mean, we see her wearing those support hose. You can't tell me that she's not wearing those support hose to like hold her bladder inside. You cannot tell me. It's like throwing a hot dog down a hallway. I went through an odd period of time where I was wearing support hose to my one of my kitchen jobs. And I was like, God, I look like a fucking, I look like a dweeb. But um, you can't tell me she's not wearing those. Anyways. Out of all the different kinds of hose, 
<laughs> I definitely like the ones that give me more support. Support, yep. Yeah. It's the best kind of photo to have. Oh, exactly. Yep. Yep. In different area codes. Um, but this kind of this moment took me back to Alice's quote, if you remember, at the end of her like mic drop when mm-hmm. she last posted. It was, "She'll be dead by fifteen. Her uterus will be long gone before then." <laughs> Take me back. I'm uh. So real quick insight. Um, I'm the chef of a hotel that opened like two years ago, and we had a engineering director that kind of let some things go, didn't really, you know, keep up on some stuff. So they talk about how like, like even Michelle's though, uterus. No, that was the joke I was going to make <laughs> oh, was that like we had our like corporate engineering guy come and like walk the hotel. And he was like, man, some of this equipment is two years old and it looks like it's 10 years old just because it hasn't been like taken care of. I'm like, that's what that looks like. It's like she's 50. Her uterus doesn't look a day over 90. <laughs> looks pretty good. Doesn't look a day over 92. Uh, she's 53. Oh, shit. Oh, damn. <laughs> Um, so the next scene is I'm trying to sorry if I'm going fast, but it's just like because it's a longer episode. I'm trying to keep it moving. The next scene, the Today Show is actually filming at their house. So yeah. earlier in the season, the beginning of the season, episode one, they mm-hmm. went to New York. They announced the pregnancy there. Now the Today Show is filming from their house in Arkansas. Yeah. And this is Anna's first real talking head. Did you notice? Correct. So in the previous episodes, like of their engagement and stuff, it was her talking to the camera, but in the moment, like to the you know, yes. while filming. This was yeah. her very a first official sit down white background. She's in. Talking head. Um, because now she's married. Correct. And I also feel like Michelle was good at plugging the show for oh, the yeah, first yeah. time. Like you could tell this was the first time where she was like, she was pushing it hard. So it's like, okay, now you're in the brand. Understand that like this is your role yeah. when you have any sort of platform to like push out. You know. Yep. And so they were just like, "What's the baby's name?" And they're like, "You'll have to watch TLC on Tuesday nights to find out." And they're like holding up their book the entire time. <laughs> yeah, she had it awkwardly on her on her knee. And like Anna was um was nervous because she was hoping because you know it's her first time being on live TV. Mm. She was hoping to be able to blend into the back with the kids, but then they put Correct. her right up front with a pest and their fucking hand fucking again on national TV. <laughs> And, uh, yeah. out in the open? I mean, it goes about as you'd expect. Nothing, nothing, you know. Yeah. Um, but they do ask Josh how married life is going. And he says, oh, married life is so good. I'm really enjoying it. And it's such a blessing to have such a wonderful example in my parents of a couple that loves God and each other. And that's been the foundation of our marriage. And they love fucking. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> but like, I just feel like he's so much like pest where they feel like everything they say is profound. And I'm like, oh, oh shut the fuck up, Josh. Like, oh, oh, you've been married for at this point a month and a half. Or like, yeah. I don't know, whatever it is, but stupid. And I think it's just that idea of like your headship. Like you are the leader of a family. So you need to say these things that are profound and you need to teach people lessons. Ugh. And you, yeah, it's. Ugh. It's gross. It is. And then Anna in her talking head says, Josh always does always does great. No, no, Anna doesn't. <laughs> not um, always. It's not fair. He has no fear. We know. <laughs> and she says, I'm sitting there sweating and scared to death. Well, yeah, Josh really didn't have fear back then. That's that's <laughs> true, Anna. Um, 
Yeah. And then Meredith asks Anna how she feels about being married and joining a big family. She just mm. says, great, and would love to have a big family, of course. So next scene is a big shocker. Ready for the shock? <laughs> the family goes shopping, but they are not in a thrift shop. Whoa. Whoa. What happened to their, like, motto? I know. Buy, use, and save the difference. Um, they're in like a baby boutique. Yeah. And they're looking for a new crib set, kind of like the blankets and the bumpers and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And Jim Bob said that all the ones at thrift store were chintzy and he wanted to do something special for Michelle. Mm-hmm. So he talks about wanting to do something special for his wife. I, mean, I get really oh, fucking angry in this oh, scene, God. okay? And it goes on for forever. He talks about wanting to do something special for his wife, but all he does is fucking bitch and moan <laughs> the entire time. And he says, and quote, shopping wears me out it makes my legs hurt my feet hurt i can't i can do it for about 15 minutes and then i just feel like i'm wore out Mm -hmm. he says he's so wore out he'd rather be digging a ditch yep bitches and moans like a fucking piece of shit that he is and you know okay i'm getting mad um (laughs) he says it's difficult to just stand there and participate in that as a husband I love my wife, so I usually try to find a place to sit and let her have the time that she needs to do the woman the shopping. The woman shopping. Ugh, cringe. I can't fucking stand Stop this man. Yeah. Oh, my God. And then uh, it's like, oh, you're making such a big sacrifice. Like, oh, first you're sacrificing because, you know, Michelle came with baggage, first of all. And now <laughs> she's taking you to a baby boutique? That fucking bitch. And, you know, you know what's bad when I'm sticking up for Michelle, you know? Because, you know, what sucks is, like, she looked genuinely excited. More excited I've seen in this show ever. Agree. This is the most emotion she's ever shown. Like, she seems like she is genuinely enjoying herself yeah. and into things and looking at. And then yeah. here's her fucking knight in shining armor shitting all over everything. Yeah. It's bad when I'm feeling empathy for Michelle. Absolutely. So... I'm going to interject on the husband side. And it's not Go in defense it. of Jim Bob because he's a piece of shit. But, uh, like, I agree with him in the fact that, like, the way that I shop versus the way that you shop is very different. I'm very much the same way where I'm like, I go into a store. I have, I know what I'm going to get. I'm going to get it. It's going to be tactical. I buy it. I leave. So I'm not disagreeing with that. But, like, when you and I go out and we go to stores and we do things, like, we go to the thrift store. You buy things at the thrift store. Yes, I don't want to sit there and look through like all of these items, but I also know that I'm there with you, so I'm fine. Like, how many times when we're out there, like at you know Goodwill or whatever it is, how many times do you see me going to sit down? Never like, away from you. Fucking never. How many times do you hear me going, <sighs> or like you know being like really dramatic about how this sucks? Yeah. Never. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, I just want to spend time with you, and if, if I feel like if I transpose my feelings into that same situation, if you were happy about this thing where you're like, cool, I get to get new baby stuff, I'd fucking swallow my pride and just do it. Yeah. Because you're excited. I'm excited that you're excited. I just can't. And it felt so like tantrum dramatic selfish like well there's this woman shit like it woman was shopping yeah right like it was so bad it where it's like you are such off. a piece of shit and the fact that he led it with like i really want to do something special for her and then you're a fucking piece of shit the <laughs> entire time like fuck yeah. off like yeah. fuck jim bob duggar and you know for a lot of things i wouldn't <laughs> but like damn i don't know why this pissed me off <laughs> Ugh. 
<laughs> Anyways, bad when I feel sad for Michelle. It just felt really dramatic. Yeah. Like everything about it was really dramatic. <laughs> so the store has a play area for their kids. So the littles mm. head that way and Jim Bob goes with them because he wants fucking nothing to do with shopping. <laughs> right. While the older girls, they stay and they keep looking at stuff with Michelle. Excuse me. The moms, the uh, real moms the, the, were looking yeah, at baby the stuff. System moms. Yep. So the producer asked Jessa, who's watching all the little kids now? And Jessa says, uh, I think Joseph is keeping track of the little boys. <laughs> I hope Joseph is keeping track of the little boys. I don't know. And then she laughs. Notice how she doesn't say her father. Yep. So and it, also notice how excited she was that she didn't have exactly. to watch out for this brood of children. The transfer of power even like is pretty bad when it's going from from like Jessa and the older sisters to Joseph and not their fucking father. Exactly. It's bad enough that it's the girls to begin with, and then now yeah. it's like, well, the next in line would be Joseph, not Jim so Bob. Bad. Fuck. Anyways, um, so then the next scene is my favorite scene of the entire episode. Okay. And so little Jackson, who we saw <laughs> being born, remember the one that got lost in the airport? Just putting it all together for everybody. Correct. The one that gets pissy, you know, yep. um, savage with the condensed milk yep. or evaporated milk. I'm sorry. Um, Jackson hits a button on a toy that plays music and oh. Jackson is fucking getting it. Jamming. Getting down with his Jamming. bad self. <laughs> Cutting a rug. Dude, I thought I could cut a fucking rug, which I can. You know. Um, but this kid is getting it. And his dancing was the uh, Duggar equivalent of fucking twerking. Yeah. Like, he was, he was, <laughs> like he that was kid twerking felt, nine to five. felt that music in him. And it's hilarious because the producer asked Jana, <laughs> I, I thought you guys weren't allowed to dance. <laughs> I fucking love it. I love everything I about this scene. Everything. Everything. And Janice says, sometimes little ones will like jump for joy is what they call it. Not really like. And then the producer cuts her off. Yep. And he says, that looks like Jackson was dancing. <laughs> yep. I love it that the producers are like not fucking having it. Having and it. I love her response. Did you write it? I, I part of it. And like my whole thing was like the, the, the Cliff's Notes version of all of it was that she was like, I literally put, why was Homegirl so anti-dancing? And then she was like, no, that that wasn't dancing. He was just being funny. Yeah, she's like, he doesn't really dance. I mean, he might like try to play around, but usually he's just being funny. That's what she says. That's not a thing. I know. And so a couple things here. Number one, the fucking delusion. You won't even say dancing. It's Correct. jump for joy. Which Correct. is my, like, I, I've probably said it to you once or twice and you've had, it went straight over your head. But a couple times when I've been dancing, I said I was jumping for joy. Now you'll get it. I'm so excited when things, the stars align and now you can understand all my references. Oh my God. So the delusion. Um, and then Jana, um, Jana goes over. And, oh, oh, also, um. She says, she walks over and she goes, show them what you were doing with the music. Mm. And then turns on the toy again. And he j jumps for joy yet again. Mm. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, I just, oh my God. And so then Jim Bob, he's like around the corner and he, he says, I think the little ones, when they hear music, they start jiggling around. <laughs> I wrote that down too. The, the, the word choice. Jiggling. We couldn't think of anything else. <laughs> Fucked, I would much rather say my kids are dancing than being like, oh, you seem like you're jiggling over there. <laughs> jiggling is quite the word choice. <laughs> Fuck. Please choose something else. Oh, my God. I was like, ooh. Um, and then he says, starts jiggling around. It's natural. 
That's why we're real careful about the music we allow in our home, because it does tend to control you. You just said jiggling, my dude. <laughs> you just said he was jiggling. And also, you're you're acknowledging that, like, hearing a fucking beat is natural. And, like, but you're not allowed to feel natural things in this family. There's not. I mean, there's nothing not to rock music. No. no. Nope. So, now we're back again to me getting mad. <laughs> Because we're back to Jim Bob fucking talking shit. God. This next thing Jim Bob says is kind of what you're touching on, but I'm just going to read the quote. He says, when I go shopping, I like to go in, get what I want, what I need, and get out. Where women, like my wife, they like to look at every little thing, and it kind of wears on a guy's nerves. Which, okay, so going, can I separate myself from Lego hair for a second? Please. Please, fuck. So, I told you my mindset to shopping. Like, tactical, you go in, you get what you want, you leave. If you and I, like, the example I'll give you is, like, there's a really big, like, furniture store here in town. And we went there to look, and and it's this giant, like, three football field size, like, room that just has, like, furniture everywhere. I don't know what I want there. We were going there to look. So I understand that you and I are going to walk through and be like, hey, I like the style. The pattern's hideous. Or, you know, like, I understand. I wasn't miserable when we were looking because I didn't know what they had. Just like miserable-ish. No. <laughs> like, I was looking. I didn't know what they had, so I didn't know what I wanted. So I knew that I was going to go in and browse. Like, there was no way that they knew what was at this baby boutique store. Yeah. So there was no chance for them to be like, cool, I know what I want. I'm going to go in. I'm going to get it. I'm going to leave. There was no chance for it. Mm -hmm. You should have been mentally prepared to go in. I don't know why he fucking went is what I'm at. Like, why the fuck did you go? It's not like he's watching his kids. No. And (laughs) I just hated it because I felt like he he just shit on the entire thing. He kept saying that, oh, I never knew there were so many options. And he just, like, looks annoyed. And it just, I don't know. I just... no, like every time they'd say something, he'd have something fucking stupid look on his face. <laughs> and then when she tells him that they've decided on pink and brown, he says pink and brown. Wow. Like a fucking asshole. <laughs> and it's like you said you didn't want to participate in this. It's you have a struggle to participate in this. You don't get a choice. And then now you're shitting on it. Like fucking be mm-hmm. involved or don't. Sh- like I would mm-hmm. say sit down and shut up. He's already sitting down. So just shut the fuck up. And if you're unwilling to participate in the choosing of that. You don't get an opinion in it. Yeah. Like, you don't. No. Like, keep that opinion to yourself. Put it under your Lego hair and leave it there. Yep. (laughs) Who knew that this scene would fucking enrage me, but I'm mad. You are like, you went to Bryn Mawr like feminist right now. Girl. (laughs) You are uh, hot to trot. Why, thank you. I'm going to take that as a compliment. (laughs) Do it. So, um, intended. (laughs) So, next scene Jim, Bob, and Michelle go to a birthing class, which is fucking ridiculous. (laughs) Um, I know that Tim says that he didn't write a lot of notes on this, he just told me, but that I have several notes and you'll understand why. Only because later on, anyways, let me just get to it. So, the producer asks uh, the teacher if Lego is a good coach, and she says, absolutely. Uh, They ask, what makes him a good coach? And she says he's attentive and he listens to his wife, but he's not willing to shop with her. Um, <laughs> and I, I love this just being directly after a scene where he's a complete fucking douche. And she's like, he's so attentive. And it's like, yeah, we, we, oh, we got real. We just saw that. Yeah. 
Um, she says whether it's when she's in labor or whether she's making dinner, he listens to the wisdom of his wife as God told him to. <laughs> so I went, um, number one, Jill makes dinner, so shut up. <laughs> and then number two, uh, when was the last time Michelle made a meal? 1991? I'm thinking, but um, also I'm like, how does she know anything about him outside of class? Well, then it all makes sense because Jim Bob says it's their friend Teresa teaching Bradley method classes. And um, okay, so then I was like, oh shit, this is her. So she will be on later in the series in a way, 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 way future deep dive. Like so way, 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 way that I'm going to have to remind you of this moment when we talk about it. (laughs) <laughs> but again, this is one of those moments where much like that first special where I saw the Holtz and I went, oh, shit, they're in it so early. Like, mm. these people don't mean anything to you in the moment. So, you you know, it's just a person in <clears throat> one fucking scene. You don't think anything of it. Of but course. now knowing what I know, it's super interesting. So um, she just appeared way earlier, like, in the series than I ever realized. Okay. So this lady is something kind of later on. It's like Occam's Razor. Do you know what Occam's Razor no is? No fucking clue. Um, oh, no, no. Not Occam's Razor. It's a Chekhov's gun. Oh, I knew that was wrong. That's why I had no fucking clue what you're talking about. <laughs> Sorry. Chekhov's gun. Oh, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. No fucking clue. If you know Chekhov's gun out there, world, um, it's in like a movie or a play or anything where if somebody shows a gun at some point in the rest of that production that gun will get shot like it's showing that like i've heard of that thing i just didn't know that's what it's called yeah yeah. because if it wasn't important they wouldn't show it so that's how i feel like we've been getting a lot of those things where i'll be like huh what does that person have to do and you'll be like but wait someday i'm gonna be like that manager at aldi they interviewed she means something yep we are in the long game here about brenda from a store or whatever it is you know so there's this funny part where she has all the pregnant women squatting low with like their knees pointed out and get Michelle low, is struggling low, and she tries to play it off and she says, <laughs> I'm having a hard time keeping my heels down. It's like, uh, no lady, you're having a hard fucking time because you're wearing a skirt that is restricting your knees from pointing out any further. And she's just like, oh, it's my heel. And I'm like, bitch, you're wearing a skirt. That's the problem. And it just... Why am I so angry in this you're, episode? You were hot. You know what it is? I started my period today. <laughs> I've, been, I've been a fucking bitch all week. And it's like. And it's also digging up the Duggar nights. Yes. There's a different vibe. Totally. I'm fucking half drunk. God. Anyways. um. So yeah, she's wearing a fucking skirt and that's the problem. Yep. A lot more cursing this episode too, I've noticed. <laughs> Anyways. Period episode. <laughs> God, all week I was like, God, why am I arguing with people on Facebook that I would never argue with? with them? And then today I was like, oh. Yeah, it makes sense. Makes sense. Anyways, now everybody knows my period. Um, So, oh, if I was a dugger, I'd call it my cycle. Anyways, so, just to add to your horror of me talking about this. Your aunt is in town. There are several horrific moments more to come in this scene, okay? Oh, God. So Michelle is in her like Michelle doing the squat. You thought that was bad. It's nothing. It's nothing. The visuals of this episode are going to be so good. We also get to watch her on all fours with Jim Bob behind her. It gets worse. No, thank Um, you. But no, thank you. Worst of all, 
Yes, it gets worse. Much worse. Teresa mentions cervical softening. And she says, and quote, I'm not going to say anything else. You've all been through my class. You know what I'm talking about. I expect it and I expect you to have fun with it. Clearly, she's referring to them having sex, right? And doesn't mm-hmm. want to say this on camera. Correct. So like a middle school fucking boy, <laughs> Boob says, what does that mean? And Michelle's like laughing hysterically. And then Michelle says, whisper it. And then Teresa's face gets close up to the camera and she whispers, cervical softening. (laughs) And I did like, and then there's another guy in the class who just wants to fucking die. Did you see? (laughs) He like lowers his head and then he's like hiding behind his wife. And it's like, he just wants to be anywhere else. Yeah. Then he's like Michelle trying to explain hoes. He just wants to be anywhere else. I wanted to be anywhere else, and I was just watching the episode <laughs> from Arizona. How many from years? years in the future. Twelve years in the future. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, it's like yeah, you just made this really weird. Like, just say you know, it would have been less creepy to just say, "Hey, having sex, cer- like, helps with cervical softening," and move the fuck on. But instead. Yeah boob has to make it into this whole thing it's like you made this it goes back to what we've been talking about where it's like you guys are making this a thing yes why are you making it a thing you would assume that married couples have sex like that that's a level of intimacy that you need with your partner and also that that towards the end of pregnancy people do it for pregnancy reasons like right like yeah it can tick off multiple boxes you know what i mean so once again it's like you are the one that's making this is awkward yeah like it's not awkward Mm -hmm. i mean let me tell you everybody appreciates a soft cervix (laughs) (laughs) like that was the weird oh it's extra soft today yeah (laughs) Um, so Teresa asks uh, Lego for his take, and he says, uh, making your wife feel cherished to relax for an easy delivery. And it's like, I'm sure she felt real cherished the day before. Or no, earlier that same day. It's the same day. Yeah. In that uh, When he was store. shitty in the store. God. When they had her birthday, and he couldn't even say it's Michelle's birthday. He's like, oh. Because it had nothing to do with him. Yeah. So the next scene. Michelle's having contractions all night, so she's packing to go to the hospital, and Jessa and Ginger go with them. Mm-hmm. Michelle is dilated four centimeters, but uh, the baby is transverse, so they need to do a C-section, and it ends up being Jessa and Lego in the room, and they're the ones that filmed it. And their people probably don't like a trans baby. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I made that joke in one of the first episodes. Do you yes, remember? Yes, you did. <laughs> Taking my jokes now. That was my joke. We're married. They're our jokes. Oh, okay. Jokes. I'm sorry. Our jokes. <laughs> okay. Um, so the baby ends up being born at 1.40 p.m. I'm skipping stuff because who the fuck cares about anything with birth anymore? It's like we're going to see <laughs> this a million times over. So she's born on December 18th, and she is the 18th child. So that is mm-hmm. kind of a little fun thing there for her. Yeah. And the name is Jordan Grace Micaiah Boob Lost Boom. It's so ethnic. He probably hates it. I'm sure he hates it to this day. I'm sure she watches that. And she's like, fuck, my dad hates my name. <laughs> but then again, um, do you know my dad named all of us? Really? All of us. Interesting. He named. And then when it came to me, my mom was like, oh, I want to name the last one. Yeah. And Which um, is supposed to be Abby. Abby. My mom wanted to name me yeah. Abby. And then my dad hated it. So he got my three older sisters on board saying that if you mm. name her Abby, we're going to call her Krabby Abby. So then my dad got his way again like mm. a fucking asshole. 
And you don't have a middle name. No middle name. Yeah. Just Whitney. You're like the second person that doesn't that I've met that doesn't have a middle name. Well, my oldest sister also doesn't have a middle name, so it's like the two bookends. It's like yeah. they were too overwhelmed with the first and exhausted by the last. They couldn't even think of middle names for us. Yeah. Well, like Mexicans traditionally pick like mother's maiden, maiden name. Maiden, yeah. And then... I'll pass. We'll have our kid McDonald. <laughs> but so I always thought that was interesting because that's like a... That's like a easy hit the easy button. Yeah. We don't want to. Uh, what am I going to name this kid? Ah, screw it. Just pick mother's maiden name. Yeah. Well, my dad named all of us and raised none of us. So <laughs> there you go. Uh, much like boob. <laughs> One of the weird things. It's such a weird quote. Like, there's in us watching this and experience this again. Like, there's quotes that these people say that like just make me cringe. And I don't remember who it was. But somebody made a quote about the baby that said, oh, she's Jordan Grace Micaiah. She's fearfully and wonderfully made. It was Amy when they came to the hospital at the very end. Yeah, fearfully. Like, what do you mean fearfully made? Right. I mean, I'm like Michelle's afraid afraid. (laughs) that Jim Bob wants some action. He's mopping her again. Yep. Weird, weird. such weird. Oh, and I did think of one thing that I think because we got slightly out of order, so I missed it. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to add on one thing about Dr. Sarver visit. Okay. Very, really, sorry, this is out of order now. Way, way early on when they were just going for like, um, when they first get there, Mm -hmm. um, Dr. Sarver is like, it's that first initial tour of the, I don't know, it's early on. And she like just starts, she's just going to do, listen to the heartbeat. This isn't even a full blown ultrasound. Yeah. She's just going to listen to the heartbeat. Mm-hmm. And because this woman is number one, a doctor who does this shit every day, but number two, like the fucking rest of us who a pregnant belly is not a big deal. <laughs> Do you, did you see that? She literally just starts to like lift up Michelle's shirt. Mm-mm. She starts to lift up Michelle's shirt and then she's got, you know, like her, skirt way up over so you don't see her belly but then michelle's like i don't want the whole world to see and she's like oh uh," and then she was like do you want a sheet and she goes do you mind and it's like once again you're making this thing yeah like even this doctor's like oh you want a sheet like i mean she just like started but she literally just starts like yanking up her shirt and i fucking loved it I just had to throw that Which, in because I remembered Dr. it. Dr. Sarver's weird. She's awkward. Yeah. She's real awkward. Like, I feel like she like doesn't robotic. have a whole lot of emotion yeah. to her face. And then they ask her questions and she answers very clinically, which is good. Yeah. Like, you want that from a doctor. But then she kind of has, like, no personality. She's Juicy Fruit. <laughs> lost that. <laughs> she lost that flavor real fast. Juicy Fruit Sarver. Um... I, do, I, w- I just want to say that uh, that's no shade to Juicy Fruit. If we can ever get like a Juicy Fruit sponsorship, dude, I'm, I'm for emailing it. them I'm... tomorrow. Mike, we <laughs> talked about you twice in this episode. Throw us fifty bucks. <laughs> right. So in the next episode, we're gonna do a Juicy Fruit ad. <laughs> they could throw us a fifty. That'd be great. Do you ever want really intense flavor for like twenty seconds? <laughs> when I tell them like we talked about you twice, they're gonna be like, "And you said that we have no flavor, so never." But that, mind. But that colorful zebra is real cute. Let's be real. Yes, I loved it. <laughs> Anyways, um, do you have anything else for the actual episode before we move on to deep dive? No, I think um, overall it was a good episode. Like there, it. It was interesting. I felt like I was cranking, but it's just because I didn't want to go on forever. But there was just a lot more scenes because it was a full, like you know, double, yeah, yeah. double. So it's a good episode. All right.
We'll uh, take a little break and come back for the deep dive. Get your snorkel. All right. Welcome back to Digging Up the Duggars Nights. This is is a different flavor for us. Yeah. Normally we record on a Monday during the day. It is a Mm -hmm. Thursday night at what time is it right now? 1210. (laughs) Yeah. So I, once again, am a executive chef. Um, and the food industry is a little rough sometimes. We are in a sometimes. very, we are right next to a university. So we just had move in week where all the parents were coming and dropping their kids off for university. Um, so our hotel was full for like six nights in a row. Um, I, we had banquet events, we had all sorts of stuff. So I've been there for like 14 to 16 hours for like three days straight it's been a little rough so we had to disrupt our normal recording yes schedule um so we are now doing this at night and it reminds me of a community because troy and abed have this like kind of fake morning show that they're kind of being like they're interviewing people yeah um and there's an episode where they have to record at night so they have this little theme song where they're like Troy and Abed in the morning, and then when they record at night, they do the same thing and they go Troy and Abed in the morning night. So we're digging up the Duggars in the morning night nights. <laughs> and I have a shirt that actually has a logo that says Troy and Abed in the morning nights, and it's one of my favorite T-shirts. I don't remember the shirt. Yeah. Oh, anyways. So shout out to the community fans out the there. Community community. The community community. The community. Yeah. It's been a fucking harrowing journey getting this episode done. Jesus yeah. Christ. I got home really late and we tried to record one night. We Nothing had would work. All Nothing. sorts of problems. Not one fucking thing would work. Yeah. And so it's we still had to precarious. Kind of move it. <laughs> we had to move it and then yeah, it's been it's been an event. Yeah, so but. anyway, um I hope you grabbed your flippers. I hope you grabbed your snorkels, because we're about to dive deep. All right. So for this episode 16 Deep Dive, it is inspired by today's favorite scene of mine. <laughs> that would be Jackson getting down. Boogie. <laughs> He's a Twerking boogie. nine to five. Cutting rugs all over the fucking place. All these rugs. Yeah. All cut. <laughs> no, what's with this rug? Jackson was here. Um... So I was planning to talk music and possibly dancing, but I was uh, completely overwhelmed by the amount of material, like content just for music. (laughs) So I had to make the decision. I felt it would be a disservice to kind of whittle it down and separate, Mm -hmm. you know, and combine them. I've decided to separate them. We will address dancing in a future episode. (laughs) In fact, I have one in mind. So... Today, we're just going to focus on the music aspect because, you know, that's what gets them jiggling in the first place, right? <laughs> oh, God, jiggling. Um, so we touched on music very bl- briefly in that one episode where, like, mm. Cousin Amy had her iPod and Josiah said that, you know, rock music really has nothing to it. There's nothing you know? to it. So that's kind of the brief. But now we're going to actually dive into, because that's what we do here in Deep Dives, <laughs> we're going to get into the IBLP stances and teachings specifically. Okay. I so, just want to preface this with the fact that it feels like dirty dancing. Oh, like, 100%. Like the quote unquote villains of dirty dancing. <laughs> it feels like that's the theme of this, where it's like, dancing is bad. You can't. And before do you it. know it, they're going to be showing their bellies during their ultrasounds. <laughs> Nobody's going to eat pickles. 
So I just want to be clear that everything I'm pulling is from various IBLP texts. So at di- there isn't a. It's insane how many different like texts that they have mm. on dancing. I'm like they really fucking. Mm. I mean, I'm sorry, music. We're talking about dirty dancing. Got me <laughs> messed up. Music. We're talking music. Rock music. Uh, Topo Chicos are hitting. Um, <laughs> so music. It's crazy how many different things there are. So I'm like, they really fucking hate music. So at different points, I I might reference specifically when I'm pulling from, mm-hmm. especially because some of the names of them are so great. <laughs> but um, because I'm pulling for, for themes, I may not in the moment be like, this is from this text. Just right. know that I'm not pulling this out of my ass. This is straight up IBLP bullshit, okay? Very uh, meticulously researched. Very. So, Bill Gothard, if you remember Bill Gothard, right? Founder of IBLP. Good old BG. Uh, Bill Gothard has said, syncopated music is the antithesis of what God desires in the life of a Christian. Oof. And in a advanced seminar textbook, which remembers that second seminar, mm-hmm. he calls rock music, which I will never be able to just say rock music. It will forever be rock music. Um... He calls it carnal and worldly. Oof. Two bad things for their cult. Yes. And then in an ATI booklet called Weapons of Truth, Rock Music. (laughs) Oh, God. It's so dramatic. (laughs) It's so dramatic. I know. That's why I have to say the names of all these things whenever I can't because it's so crazy. (laughs) So it's that's like the name and then it's like colon. um, How to tear down the strongholds of rock music. Oh my! <laughs> it says rock music. Well, I just want to point out that rock music is usually in parentheses, <laughs> so it's like even it's extra. Rock music is one of Satan's greatest tools to influence our soul. Your we t- can shred. <laughs> um, it says your soul is mind, will, and emotions. The message within unclean rock music is then used by Satan to build strongholds in your life, which decrease the cap- capacity of your soul to respond to God's follow and his ways. So okay. everything about that is interesting. I mean, we all know that the devil went down to Georgia yeah. and he was trying to have a fiddling contest yes. with people. So, I mean, he was already battling for people's souls. Yes. So, go ahead. Um, So, by name, they always refer to it as rock music. But just to clarify, (laughs) we both can't stop laughing. Rock music. Um, But what they really mean is just anything that isn't hymnal or classical. That's what it really comes down to. This includes jazz, country. I mean, this includes the whole gamut. If it's not fucking in a hymn book, they don't want it. (laughs) So, the question is, so what is rock music, right? Music that has an offbeat or backbeat. That is Bill Gothard's definition. So apparently in rock music, he defines the emphasis as falling on beats two and four. Which is personally, traditionally reggae or ska. Oh, listen to you. Whereas good music falls on beats one and three. Emphasis on one extra is, you know, extra points for emphasis on one. Okay. But if you need a little extra help figuring this all out, lucky for you, you're a buddy Bill. He's created an explanation of musical components to help you be able to evaluate your music choices. No backbeats. (laughs) So first there's melody, which comes from the spirit. 
the spiritual world, okay? Okay. Then there's the harmony. That comes from the soul, your emotions, and that is from the psychological world. Okay. Then there's the rhythm. That comes from the body, the physical world. See, everything about this is interesting because I was a musician. Like, I played saxophone starting in third grade. I played guitar. I played a little bit of piano. So, those descriptions aren't necessarily, like, weird. because No, I think they are weird. <laughs> like, well, I'm just saying, like, we equate a lot of music stuff to, like, your soul and, like, those things but not in this no way. yeah they mean this like, in such a negative context yeah <laughs> oh yeah yeah it's a it's a sh it's them throwing shade they're like oh that harmony that came from your soul oh that melody that came from your spirit right. can't be playing music with your soul <laughs> so with these definitions in mind here is how you're able to analyze your music by asking some the following questions okay the first is is the melody dominant or secondary <laughs> And then, does the rhythm control or drive the music? Because if so, it will excite the body. It's every bit of music. The rhythm is gonna get you. The rhythm is gonna get you. The rhythm is gonna get you. So you're saying BG was not a fan of the uh, Gloria He was Estefan. not, because too much rhythm. That Gloria that will, You know, that really, I hear Gloria and my body's excited. I gotta start playing more Gloria music. <laughs> So then he says, is the melody from the light side or the dark side? How Star Wars of him. <laughs> because there are dark spiritual forces that like music. <laughs> and then Bill also questions heavy use of minor keys as being depressing. <laughs> oh I just, I think there are other minors he should be concerned about, not the keys. <laughs> the ones that are around SP. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I would think that those, the, yeah, there's some other minors we should really be paying attention to. Then there's the final question. Is there a heavy backbeat or syncopation? Because that is the opposite of the heartbeat, and Bill sees this as producing sensual tension. Oof. Can't have that. No. But I, I have good news for you, Tim. Oh. Ready? Bill says that marching music with a dominant beat is usually okay, because it is usually equally balanced with an equally strong melody. So, whew, good news for Tim. But I've, that's a deep dive because I was in marching band in high school and in college. Collegiate. Collegiate yeah. geek. Yes. <laughs> Shout out Pride of Arizona, <laughs> Tucson, Arizona University. Yeah. Yep. So, whew, yeah, according to Bill, you're good. So, he likes marching bands. I like marching bands. Which is a shout out to the other sister. I love that movie, and that's Daniel McMahon talking about how he loves marching bands, and I love that. So whenever Tim is talking geeky like music stuff, I go, I like marching bands. I like marching bands. <laughs> or he's a big uh, Black Parade fan. Yeah, you know, and yeah. he likes to go to the chicken wing place. Anyways, <laughs> so let's talk now about how does Bill Gothard support this stance on music, right? <laughs> so I've come to figure out that he seems to he has this method it's almost a formula in which that he uses this is my own kind of like thing so bill loves to number one reference scripture also always fucking twisting it usually usually right yeah. and he loves using scripture as an analogy so there are a number of them that he uses for the music but i'm just for now just for the sake of time i'm just gonna focus on one okay 
So he uses scripture from John 10 that talks about like sheep knowing the voice of God and following God, but not following the voice of strangers because they don't know that voice, right? Okay. Layman's terms here. So uh, Bill Gothard, he just up and decides that rock music is the voice of a stranger. Okay. Uh, that's t- number one. That's weak as fuck for an analogy. <laughs> totally weak. And but in just in general with lig- religions, I just find it really interesting how sometimes you're su- they want you to take it literally, scripture literally, mm-hmm. and then other times they're like, no, 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 it's an analogy. Yeah. So it's like, which is it? Yeah, you're cherry picking. But it's like you're never gonna get them to decide that it's literal or analogy because it's ultimately up to what they want it to mean and they want you to follow. Correct. So I just think that's so funny. It's like sometimes it's analogy, sometimes no, no, no. Take right. it word for word, face value. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, weak analogy either way. <laughs> voice, the music is voice of a stranger. It's all those back beats. <sighs> yep, off beats. <laughs> so the second part of this formula, I'm gonna say, is that he, which are this is my favorite part because while the scripture stuff is in you know infuriating mm-hmm. i really enjoy this one because it's more of like the wackadoodle shit and you know that's more entertaining <laughs> so the second part of the formula is his his love for anecdotes okay okay so much like the cabbage patch doll thing do you remember how he backed he backed all that up by like telling that story of like well that one kid had night terrors and as soon as they burned the cabbage patch doll, they stopped correct so he loves to do that and um, so I'm going to give you several of these little anecdotes that he gives regarding music. Okay. And I feel like the theme of this part is going to be uh, correlation is not causation. Exactly. Like you are connecting things that aren't there. So. Yep. I'm ready. We're going to start with a banger here. Ready? Whew. Supposedly, somebody once placed a raw egg in front of a speaker. And it became hard-boiled by the rock beat. Oh, my God. <laughs> I have a... Number one, I just want to say, number one sounds awesome. I don't have to boil water, and it sounds very convenient, very, like, set it and forget it type situation. I could just make egg salad. Oh Listen my to my music and make egg salad. <laughs> well, it reminds me, if I can interject for a second. Absolutely. Pat Oswalt, one of my favorite comedians, has a bit about... 80s like hair metal videos and he talks about how like every video was them using the power of their rocking <laughs> to affect <laughs> physics and he's like it was always like them in front of a warehouse and like the cops are like trying to stop them from rocking so hard <laughs> so the cops show up and they're like shooting bullets at them and they are deflecting bullets with the power of their rock, rock. yeah <laughs> Like this reminds me of like you can affect the physical properties of the world. Boiling eggs. I didn't. I had no idea that that's what Pearl Jam was going for. I don't. Know. I couldn't think of somebody else real quick. That's who I came up with. Pearl Jam. Oh, <laughs> Need somebody harder. Anyways, um, okay. So that's the first one. So we talked about food. Now let's talk about plants. Ooh. He says that plants exposed to beautiful, soothing music thrived and turned toward the speaker while plants that were exposed to rock music shriveled up and died wow 
I need then, to see the receipts. Like, I want to see, like, what was your video? Like, take a uh, picture. There's a whole thing about it that I could not get into on just the plants. <laughs> there's so much. You guys don't understand what I weeded through to, like, whittle down. Was that a plant pun? Yes. You weeded, weeded through, through Good job. High five. <laughs> so, this next one. Okay. So, he has several little story anecdote things regarding Africans. Now, it's disgusting, <laughs> first of all. Oof. And... They're in several, like I said, I referenced several IBLP texts. Mm -hmm. So over the course of them, there's several different stories and they're all very similar to the point that maybe, I I don't know, I don't think I believe any of them happened, but if anything, maybe one happened and then they just keep like twisting it to make it sound like multiple stories. Even in one of these things, they gave like two examples where I'm Mm -hmm. like, it still kind of sounds like the same story. So just for the sake of whittling it down a little bit, I'm going to give you the gist of kind of like all of them. All of them. Okay. And it's really story, like, it's a lot of times, it's about like, oh, this African person that, you know, found Christ and was saved and is now a Christian. And they either heard just regular mainstream rock music for the, like, for the first time, or they heard Christian rock and they're asking, like, the people they're with or, like, the missionaries, like, why are you playing the music that summons the demons? That's what my tribe uses to summon demons. Like, so... It's like, well, obviously rock is evil because this is what they say. You know, it's so that's ba- the basic story and it's ridiculous. Well, it's also that like that's so pretentious to be like, I'm providing savior like energy for you. Obviously, you are not complicated enough to find things out on your own. Like I am bringing you the truth. Like, yeah, that's such a weird, weird. You know that mentality. little white savior. It's a good thing we got Anna's sister and her fucking thirteen baking <laughs> baker's dozen kids all over there to protect them from the rock music. <laughs> okay, so let's bring in the next question. So that was the the little anecdotes I gave you mm. three. But what about Christian rock? So for them, it's seen as being even worse. It is seen as fellowship with demons. Okay. Here's a good quote. Are you ready? Oh, their quotes are something. (laughs) Prepare myself for this one. (laughs) Christ. Um, Reaching teenagers with Christian rock is like giving out liquor bottles with Bible verses on the bottles. Oh, my God. So dramatic. The drama. I'm legitimately face He is. He really is right now. He's like rubbing his face. (laughs) (laughs) It's the same thing. It's the same thing. So they believe that uh, they believe this so much that there's literally an entire text devoted to this called what the Bible says about contemporary Christian music. (laughs) Ten scriptural reasons why the rock beat again in quotes is evil in any form. Well, I mean, I look at DC talk and I know (laughs) that they're evil. So, Uh, so I'm not going to go through all 10. Thank you. You're welcome. It's but it's a whole lot of you'll begin to disobey your parents with a ton of st- a ton of stupid personal stories. Like it's like that type of shit where they're like, mm-hmm. "You're gonna start doing this," and here's all these people saying why yeah. and how that happened to them, and you know it's yeah. stupid. So I am just gonna focus on some of the goods that I have extracted. <laughs> okay. okay. So they say that the problem with Christian rock is that they say the music and lyrics are in conflict with each other. Okay. So the music appeals to the like sin, 
while the lyrics appeal to godly natures. Okay. They say that this creates a war within you that, quote, inhibits spiritual growth. So, like, you're, you're using a method that's not approved to push a message that is approved. Correct. Okay. And it's creating war within these young people. Right. So, as... So even though you're saying the right things, you're not saying them in the right way. Because then you're just fellowshipping with demons. So they say that music is only appropriate when lyrics and musical style coincide with and are consistent with biblical principles. Okay. So apparently, um, Rock opposes God's command to not mix the light with the darkness. More Star Wars for you. (laughs) Uh, so no mixing light with darkness. Hear that, Ginge? Make sure you separate the lights from the darks when you're doing laundry. God opposes that. That's you don't. <laughs> so another issue with Christian rock is that they often dress like secular bands. So I mean, now how are you supposed to know who's good and bad? I mean, how many leather wristbands are they wearing? <laughs> is that a studded belt? <laughs> Yeah, so how are you supposed to know? <laughs> so attempts to back this up with this particular thing. This is, He backs it up with this scripture. Okay. Prove all things, hold fast that which is good, abstain from all appearance of evil. Again, super fucking weak connection. It's like, <laughs> they're both wearing studded belts. Abstain <laughs> from all appearance of evil. Oh, man. Wild. How can a piece of clothing or accessory to clothing be, like, inherently evil? Well, I mean, remember like... Rob Thomas is doing drugs. <laughs> so. That's true. Looks like he's on drugs. <laughs> you mean that ultra hardcore band, Matchbox, Matchbox 20? 20. <laughs> so, apparently the to them, the rock beat violates God's command to protect our bodies as temples. And there were several, but again, I'm picking and choosing here. So they mentioned the average decibels of rock music. <laughs> and then they get into the specific... It's so ridiculous. You see why I'm like, this is the wackadoodle shit that I have to get into. And then they get specific into like, okay, so here's like the average of a rock of rock music. And here's at a rock concert. I mean, like oh they're getting God. down to it. And they talk about the links to to permanent hearing damage. So it's like you're not protecting your body. But, um, Tim, we, you won't understand, unfortunately. But I don't know if anybody out there has ever heard Aaron Bates play a fucking piano. Aaron Bates fucking murders that thing. So that would be considered good music. And I got to say, I think that I've had hearing damage just listening to YouTubes of Aaron Bates playing the piano. Like from the Bates family yes. that like hung out with fucking them? Fucking murders that piano. I feel like that needs to be an Instagram post. <laughs> I want to hear the murdering of said Dude, it's insane. So I I just, I'm like, I'm going to call you on that one, Bill Gothard. Which is funny because he was at Aaron Bates' wedding. It's a whole thing. Anyways. So also, did you know, Tim? The rock beat damages brain cells. No. I'm messed up then. (laughs) (laughs) We're screwed. Yeah. We've Um, been to like eight. Foo Fighters concerts like we're messed up just from that (laughs) Uh, so they say that when there is an offbeat 
the mind really struggles to coordinate the two. So he references a study by a neurobiologist, which I'm sure is probably a fucking hack, (laughs) that uh, indicated, quote, devastating effects on animals that have been subjected to prolonged exposure to a rock rhythm. Devastating. They say that the brain cells became... (laughs) Wait. Um... Deformed, sorry, my own handwriting again. They became deformed trying to reconcile that beat with that melody. They just couldn't do it? Nope. Asking too much of their little little brain cells. As a musician, this entire, like, deep dive makes me uncomfortable. How infuriating. Like, oh yeah, like, the, I don't know, like, I'm not religious. I was at one point, but, like... Even when I was involved with that, there was a lot of things of, like, God created these things. Yeah. So it's like when it was, like, music that was being played, you're like, God created these things. And then you have that weird argument of, like, God created people that are scientific. And it's like, that's that's part of his plan if that's your belief structure. Mm-hmm. But it's like, these things are good. Like, they don't have to God be... created DC talk. <laughs> like, they don't have to be in conflict. Yeah. Because if that's your belief structure, you're like, God created all of this. So why are we so anti-certain things, whether it's rock music or genes. science or yeah, or, or genes? Yeah. Um, like, why are we so anti these things? Because God created them as part of his plan. Mm-hmm. So once if again, you believe in this big plan. Yeah. Correct. So like as a musician, all of this makes me feel uncomfortable. Yep. I'm going to switch it over to addiction now. Are you ready? Oh, God. This is your dad's mindset. All right. (laughs) So the, again in quotes, rock beat is in and of itself an addiction. Those who vibrate with it begin to to desire more and more of it. Those who jiggle. (laughs) Like a drug addiction, one's appetite for it increases so that the... The rock beat in contemporary Christian music soon becomes dissatisfying, and a stronger beat is desired. So it's a gateway drug. <laughs> That's exactly what I wrote. I was like, I always knew that Christian rock was a fucking gateway drug. Which don't exist, by the way. <laughs> like that does, That's not a thing. Yep. So now I want to read you some t- testimonials, because you know how I said this whole thing was full of a lot of like, this could happen to you, and then mm-hmm. here's some people like backing my shit up with their stories. <laughs> So I'm going to read you. There were several things of uh, especially teenagers talking about their rock addiction, but I chose two, okay? Okay. Oh, God. A a, a testimony of how addictive the rock beat is. In the summer of 1989, I purposed that I would listen only to music which is glorifying to God. However... Satan had a stronghold in my life because I listened to rock music for many years. As a result, the sounds and words were embedded in my memory. As the teachers at school lectured, or as I ate lunch or walked through the hall and heard any word that was in a song, I would begin to sing a song that the word reminded me of. (laughs) Every conversation brought a song to mind. Thus, every day, evil lyrics were embedded deeper into my spirit. Only as I recognized the demonic nature of this addiction was I able to deal with it in a scriptural way. Brandy Brace, age 19, Kansas. 
Everything about that gave me Forrest Whitaker eye. So fucking dramatic. And like, oh, so you, you're reminded of a song and you're evil now? Do you think that the kids with their like church songs that they sing with Michelle, that they don't hear a word that reminds them? I haven't been in a Mormon church in 16 fucking years. <laughs> I haven't been in a primary room in even longer, right? And every time I hear popcorn, I start singing, I looked out the window and what did I see? popcorn popping on the apricot tree okay so it's like we all hear words that remind us of a song right wild to take it that far before you start the next one i think about like decibels like they talked about decibels so if you listen to like hymns really loud does that mean like that that's the work of the devil because the decibels are louder you would be uh you know not protecting your temple yeah, like, what if I went to church and I was listening to somebody sing hymns, but the decibel levels were too loud? Like, when they have their mixer board, when they choose, like, how loud all the different inputs are, are they, like, do they have a red line that's, like, above this is the devil level? God, maybe. The devil, devil level. level. <laughs> devil The devil. Okay, right, so what's this- the next one? I'm ready. God. This one's shorter. Okay. I started to listen to, in quotes, Christian rock when I was 11. DC talk. Each time I heard it, I felt rebellious and had sensual thoughts. Oh, my God. DC talk gave you sensual thoughts? (laughs) Um, The feelings grew stronger as my music got harder. Gross. (laughs) My feelings are getting stronger just listening to that. I finally realized this music was wrong, and I tried to get rid of all my music tapes. That explains the timeline. But I would always slip back into it. Like, this is fucking heroin or something. <laughs> I, a, I relapsed into coke. I'm sorry. I relapsed <laughs> into, into Christian DC talk. rock. Yeah. yeah. I am 17 years old now, and I struggle with this music. It is very addictive and so easy to slip oh back into. God. Oh. oh, God. You think we're talking about, like, Hard meth. drugs. Yeah. Oh, my God. Our rock is an awesome rock (laughs) this is so bad everything about this makes me uncomfortable i know it's just it just gets more preposterous yeah like the more it gets me it gets me i keep going back and forth between being like disgusted at like the fact that they're like doing this and explaining it in this way and then also being embarrassed for them for the people that believe this bullshit but then also it like makes me sad yeah they just can't have normal shit like like, like the we can't have nice things they can't have regular things yeah and we've talked about it before like one of their big things is like not expressing a lot of feelings or emotions and being really like repressed in that way and, like, this is a pure example of that. And going back to the episode, I didn't bring this up when we were doing the, the review. Um, but when they went to the hospital, they had this, like, light wall. Oh, yeah. And it was, like, you could – it was all these, like, little, like, conjunctive squares. And if you hit on one, it would, like, cause, like, a ripple of light. So it's, like, as you press this wall size thing of lights it would like you know like spread out it was like a cool thing like it's a sensory thing kids will play with it like make a lot of fun colors like whatever but the entire time that the kids were pressing on this wall baby cannon would not shut up about you don't have to be that loud don't be that 
don't don't press it so hard. Don't make as much noise. Like she spent five minutes just being. I'm like teaching them self control. Yeah, like they're kids. Like you're giving them a wall that they can press on that makes colors and sounds. They're going to be excited about it. And she was just like, "You don't have to play that hard. You don't have to press it like that. Don't make as much noise. It's so repressive. Yeah, and it's sad. Yep. Like you are a child." You are going to get excited about things. And if you have, and if your worry is that they're going to make too much noise, maybe don't have 18 of them. If you had two there, it wouldn't be so bad, you know? Like, Jesus Christ. Oof. So, of course, all of this, uh, because of all this, they have to have yet another booklet called How to Conquer the Addiction of Rock Music. So we were just talking about all those addictions, right? Makes me so angry. So I'm just going to focus on one thing from it called characteristics of one who is in bondage to rock music. Everyone loves a little bondage. Kinky. (laughs) Okay. Oh, where's my paper? Okay. Here we go. By the way, there's many, uh, Whitney has many resources when it comes to her deep dive. And I'm like, oh, I didn't have that many, you know, notes about the episode. (laughs) And I look at him. <laughs> she's flipping through like 15 pages of notes that she's taken down. So yeah. I respect the fact that you do so much research for these because I think they're fascinating. Thank so. you. So characteristics of one who is in bondage, kinky, to rock music. And I'm just going to focus on one portion of it called he is addicted to rock. <laughs> Ready? Name so. of the episode right there. <laughs> He's... The word addict means to devote or surrender oneself to something. An addict is controlled by forces outside himself and often acts compulsively against his own better judgment. A rock addict, again in parentheses, my favorite, may know that rock music is wrong, yet he is powerless to stop listening to it. Mm. An official working working with juvenile delinquents stated, God, here we go. Ready? Rock music is more addictive and destructive than cocaine. Oh, my God. How the fuck would you know? I'm convinced. (laughs) God. As in the case of a drug addict, a rock addict, again with the parentheses, will sacrifice God-given relationships with his parents and will neglect fellowship with godly Christians in his his compulsion to listen to his music. It just keeps getting better already. As the drunkard or drug addict must provide for his appetite, so the rock addict provides for music, provides music for his car, his room, and for points in between with his portable tape player. (laughs) Like a Walkman. I had no idea how many times in the show I'd be able to say Walkman (laughs) and Discman. Um, so yeah, he even has to have something in between a portable tape player. Oh my God. So addicted. He has to have it at all times. He is in tune with the spirit of the rock culture and feeds upon information about rock performances and their newest songs. He is instantly activated by the rock beat and he can repeat the lyrics and music of the songs that are engrafted into his soul. Oh my God. Memorization. That's the worst. Which is so funny because you'll see, you've kind of seen it and stuff, mm-hmm. how Michelle teaches a lot of kids, like they learn scripture stuff through song. 
Correct. So it's just so funny that you're like, but that's okay because it's stri- like scripture. But it's like, mm-hmm. that's what I'm going back to is like, something will always remind us of something. We have so like, it's, mm-hmm. it's just so stupid. I don't yeah. think I made sense, but anyways. No, that absolutely makes sense. Like, everything is a is a reference. Yeah. And it's the way that our monkey brains work. Like, I will it's... think of popcorn song every time I make popcorn. <laughs> yeah. And you know this, everything in my life is a reference Yes. And I have a song for everything. A TV show. And I have a TV show. Yep. And I have, like, that's how I equate things in my life. 85% of Tim and I talking to each other is in references. <laughs> the outside world has no I, fucking clue what we're talking about. It's how we operate. And by the way, like, little behind the scenes, the reason why we keep saying ruck music. <laughs> ruck music. A little aside. Um, there's an SNL sketch where there's a guest on Weekend Update, and it's Vanessa Bear. Shout out Vanessa Bear. If she ever listens to this, she won't listen to this. Does she um, have anything we can have a commercial for? <laughs> you're right. Um, she plays uh, Jacob the Bar Mitzvah Boy. Yes. So and good. And so the way that he says things is so awkward. As like a like a 12 or 13 year old like Jewish boy would, you know, do. She's so good. It's better than doing homework. It's better than, yeah. So one of the things she brings up is that's the way that she says rock music. Rock music. So that's why Tim and I can't say rock music <laughs> ever. We have to say rock music. Like rock it, was, music. it was painful for me to not say it every time I read it off my paper. You have no idea the restraint I have put into this. Uh, so if you think about that and you want a good laugh, look up Jacob the Bar Mitzvah Boy SNL. She's fantastic. Yep. And then you'll come, at some point, you'll come across <laughs> rock music. Rock music. It's better than doing homework. <laughs> Anyways. So I'm winding down here, okay? Mm-hmm. The very last thing I'm going to leave you with is just some people's experiences that I read online that I thought were funny. They said that, like, you know, IBLP people. Mm-hmm. They said that their parents would ask servers at restaurants to turn off the music. And if they didn't, they would leave because they didn't want to subject their family to that. Deuces. Yep, you can go. There was another girl that mentioned how, without realizing it, apparently she was bobbing her head to the neighbor's music that was playing, and her dad told her to stop. Slut. Yep. <laughs> the last one, uh, they specifically said that when they were old enough to get a job, they were not allowed to work a retail job so that they wouldn't have to listen to the secular music day in and day out. Oh. Just so much. And, um, yeah, it's like, so my overview, very extreme, very radical, completely fear-mongering. Irrational. Yeah, like, I mean, the the drama of it all. And I, I think it's pulling information about music to ma- try to make itself sound more legit. So it's like, if we talk about the decibels, like people are gonna go, oh, they, oh, they must be decibel. telling the truth. Michelle would be like, <laughs> decibels, decibel. Like, it's sad. That and, sounds legit. <laughs> like, I feel like a lot of things in my life are artsy. I guess artsy. Like, I'm a chef. We create food and dishes, and we we mash flavors together. I was a musician, so it's like I was I was creating this sound that would hopefully be pleasant for other people Mm -hmm. and it's so like both of those things are so personal like i'm gonna get all i'm gonna get all emotional talking about this but like (laughs) um 
Like you I are... cried over finances. <laughs> Tim's crying over music. Over art, yeah. <laughs> so, like, we are creating something, whether it's with our, like, we're creating something for somebody else to consume. Yeah. Whether it's music, whether it's food, whether it's paintings, whatever it is, you're creating these things. And, like, you are pouring yourself into these things. Yeah. So to have somebody cheapen it mm-hmm. and break it down to the fact that like you are expressing yourself, you had it on the wrong is... rhythm, the wrong beats, right? Like <laughs> it you was on are, two and four. You're expressing yourself, and it is it is now demonized for what you're doing. Like, legitimately bothers me to my core. Which it totally lines up because they demonize any kind of self-expression. Like, you know, yeah. it all lines up. They don't yeah. want, they can't, for them, they can't afford that because mm-hmm. they they need to keep you in this little box. And so Correct. it's like, listen to our hymns, listen to this classical. And the thing that's ironic that I didn't write it down, but people were talking about the irony behind the fact that he, you know, denounces this Christian music if it's not mm-hmm. perfectly classical. No, Because again, when they say rock, again, it doesn't even just mean rock. It means anything, Correct. like, besides classical and yeah. hymns. So think of all these other things that could be a good Christian, like, music, but, like, he's denouncing it. But they're like, meanwhile, he'll promote music that is actually not, like, Christian at all, but it's... Mm-hmm. But because it's like, you know what I mean? They're like, yeah. it's like, so something that actually has maybe a message that should be good, but you know, that's, that's creating a war within you. Correct. Like, like the, the way he just comes up with this shit, like, it's like, he, he did figure out this formula mm-hmm. and it's like, it was like, and then I'll take you through these steps and I'll tell you all these stories and specifically reading people's experiences of saying like, someone was talking about that hard boiled egg thing. They're like, I remember that resonating with me because it was so like interesting at the time. Mm-hmm. that's how they get you because they're like oh it just seemed like such this like example like it's like visceral yeah like, like, you, I, like it's gonna hard boil my brain my insides <laughs> my soul like i don't want a hard-boiled soul i want it nice and yolky <laughs> like so you you know like you're like an egg maid <laughs> yeah it's just crazy i don't know it's sad and i i i don't think any of them are uh, like even looking at like the Doug thing other than like sex pests, I don't feel like any of them are like inherently like really bad like trash human beings, but like it just makes me sad. I think, I think boob might be trash. <laughs> I think Lego might I'm be not, trash. I'm not disagreeing, but like once again, I feel like it cheapens art. Yeah, and if it, you can't have both sides of it, did did God give you these gifts? to share with other people Mm -hmm. with these parameters because i don't think that's the case like even looking at their mindset like i don't feel like that's the case and once again there's i love bo burnham he's a comedian that's ridiculously thoughtful in everything he does and he has a song about like the person like god's perception of what we do Mm -hmm. and he brings up like eating pork and yeah. his line in the song is like, you know, God doesn't God doesn't really care about whether you eat pork or not. And he was like, he created the universe. You think he you think he draws the line at the fucking deli aisle? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> but that's my thing on everything. Just like when people say all this stuff about God, I'm like, you think like when I was talking about I'm like, you think 
the the finance one yeah he's real real worked up <laughs> over, over whether or not you're gonna buy that uh you know i that mac like with with you know a credit card or right, like right. buying use and saving the different like he's not that where if there's a god you know whatever you believe in do you think yeah. he's that fucking worked up over the fucking shrimp you just ate <laughs> like i i wanted a fucking coconut shrimp leave let me be yeah anyways so it makes i loved this deep dive i feel like it was very well researched so kudos do you see why i couldn't do dancing i'm like there's just enough Absolutely. and there was so much that i willed out i'm like I can't, i'll be talking oh, for yeah. hours but um i just could not believe how much content there was about music it's insane yeah. i'm like this is such a thing for them because they really you can see you know they're create they're fear-mongering but they're creating mm-hmm. that because they're fearful of music like it's right. crazy yeah you can feel the insecurity yeah. of like you getting hooked by eight, you know, like mm-hmm. DC talk like or whatever. It's yeah. so crazy. And I think you see that in a lot of um, kind of extreme views where the worst thing they can have is illumination. Mm-hmm. Like the second you start digging into the minutia of what they believe it becomes a problem you're supposed to just believe you're supposed yeah. to just follow yeah. you're just supposed to believe yeah so everything about this made me uncomfortable yeah um we're gonna go we're gonna go rock out to some rock beats <laughs> some off beats i'm gonna create a war within myself my brain is gonna be deformed i'm gonna you know damage well, some a, hearing well it's a good thing i'm not with you for your brain that's good <laughs> lucky me oh man this was a good deep dive kudos i'm glad you enjoyed it i think this was great it made me super uncomfortable but it (laughs) he was literally like recoiling like in the you can hear if you if you listen back to this you can hear me go (laughs) in a lot of this so um yeah all right so that i think sums it up that was probably a long one i'm thinking Mm -hmm. um but a longer episode as well so this is it for season one both yeah. the end of 17 kids and counting mm-hmm. and then both the end of our episode our next episode is going to be a recapping so i'm not going to we're not going to talk too much longer so we yep. can talk about that next episode we're just kind of do a as tim called it i liked it state of the podcast, state of the podcast just talk yep. about kind of what's happened what's what we think blah 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 and then we got some q a questions coming in so we'll address mm-hmm. those as well so as yep. usual follow us on instagram digging up the duggers pod then we have our email, digging up the Duggars at Gmail. Yep. We love, absolutely love favorite hearing from all of you. Favorite thing ever. Yeah. It's Tim will be like, Did so- you hear anything new? And I'll read them to him and we talk so even if you're kind of talking with me during the day or something like that, yeah. It all gets reported back to Tim at some point. So <laughs> Yeah. We love it. Thank you so much um, for all of you guys listening and you know commenting and rating and like i love the interaction on instagram i think whitney does a fantastic job of doing the visuals kind of from the previous week's episode um and we always get a lot of really cool conversations based off of that so please keep doing that um it's it's so much fun we love to hear from you yeah so all right have a wonderful week sorry this came at you late it was a harrowing journey to get here (laughs) Uh, Thank you for joining us for Digging Up the Duggars Nights.